Hallelujah. We live to praise you, oh God. Glory to your name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Name above every name. Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all adoration. Every knee shall bow. Everyone shall glorify that name. But we glorify you, oh God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Wonderful Redeemer. Blessed Savior. King of kings and Lord of lords. We bow in your presence tonight. We sense you, Lord. Near, not just feel you, but we sense you. Our faith tells us that you are near. All of our spiritual senses tells us that you're present as you said you would be. And now, Lord, in the sweetness of the moment, we want to yield ourselves. Lord, we want to say, come by our way. Lord, you're not just in the room. You were in the room one time with a bunch of Pharisees. And they were busy in their conversation. They were busy maybe in their day-to-day business affairs. But there was one that washed your feet. Lord, there was one that anointed you with oil. And Lord, that's what we want to do tonight. We want to be just near you, O God. And to hear you say those words, He or she who is forgiven much loveth much. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And Lord, we just want to submit ourselves to you now as we turn back the pages of your word. You gave the word. It was written by holy men of old as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. We're privileged to take up your Bible. We're privileged to turn back the pages. And we're privileged, Father, that you would anoint it once again in our midst. Lord, may you just take complete control. You that discerns the thoughts and intents of every heart, may you just lead us tonight in your perfect will. We ask as we commit the speaker and the hearer into your hands. Lord, we remember those needs. They're already remembered tonight, the physical needs. Lord, might be more than just was mentioned in the prayer requests. But Lord, may you touch them and each and every one we pray. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. You may have your seat. You may remain standing while the musicians have your seats. And we'll turn to the book of Revelation. I don't want to confuse you there. We'll turn to the book of Revelation chapter 1. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Might be a few away because of the uh, school being on vacation and families going, taking advantage and going on vacation. But the Lord Jesus Christ never takes a vacation. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for that. I'm glad there's not a day on the calendar when the Lord says, you won't be able to reach me today. Amen. Amen. He's always available. Amen. Amen. And we're glad for that. And we're turning to the book of Revelation chapter 1. I have tonight's service and Sunday morning service. So it's an unusual uh, arrangement because some of the ministry is away. And so uh, it gives me the opportunity to maybe dig a little bit deeper into a subject. And we actually want to continue on from the last time that I preached on the day of revealing, speaking about Revelation and then laying some foundational thoughts tonight and then carry on Sunday morning, Lord willing. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Revelation chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, 
which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Hope you have your Bibles uh, tonight. We want to be looking at a few scriptures and I want to speak tonight continuing on the on the subject of the importance of revelation and the day of revealing that we are living in. Uh, that uh, uh, we, and especially we want to approach it from the, uh, from the direction or from the perspective of sons of God. As we're speaking tonight and again Sunday morning, we're, we, we want to bring it as directed to you as the attributes of God. And if you're not there yet in your revelation, you need to ask God to take you there. To show you who you are, what your position is, and what God has done for you to bring you to that position. Because I'm believing that I'm speaking to the attributes of God. I'm, I'm speaking to the thoughts that God had in his mind before the foundation of the world that are manifested in this hour. And, and, and John now takes this thought in the book of Revelation and he speaks about it and says, you know, this revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show to his servants. And Brother Branham picks this up as he's preaching now, and I'm going to just jump right into it uh, as he preaches the series uh, of on the book of Revelation, which was eventually turned into the church age book. But as he begins to preach the series in 1960 in December, he says, this revelation was given to him strictly to unveil the specific purpose of Christ, what he would be, and be like in every age. All right. So John now is is being a recipient. What a place to be in that John was in. To be on the Isle of Patmos and to to be the recipient of a series of visions that would begin to show him things concerning the revelation of Jesus Christ that had not yet been unveiled. And even in Revelation 10, how that when the seven thunders uttered their voices, John began to write the things that were revealed by them, but was told, don't write it. Because that's not for this hour, that's a mystery that will be hidden until the last days. 
But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. And so these are scriptures that are familiar to us. But I want to get right into the purpose here because Brother Branham takes it now right at the beginning of this series. And he says, this revelation is given to him to unveil the specific purpose of Christ. Now, we all think, well, we know the purpose of Christ. Uh, We know what the gospel is about. We know we were sinners and we needed to be saved. But this revelation takes us further than that. This revelation takes us into a title deed. This revelation takes us into the purpose of the Lamb's Book of Life and the claiming of the book. And the the bringing forth of all of the redemptive purpose of God, as Brother Branham says, under the seventh seal, the coming of the Lord, the reason there was silence in heaven, the space of half an hour. All of these things are contained now and are being revealed through John to the church that he could write it for our benefit. Not that we would have a book that says this is this and that is that, but that we could enter into a revelation. All right. And so then Brother Branham and the Church Age book is wonderful because it actually takes the thoughts of Brother Branham out of the series that he preached in 1960. And he actually expounds on them in the Church Age book and, and begins to bring them maybe more depth of meaning. And I'll read you a little bit out of the Church Age book. And uh, it says, now the Greek word for revelation is apocalypse, which means unveiling. This unveiling is perfectly described In the example of a sculptor unveiling his work of statuary, exposing it to the onlooker. So if we, if we take that thought and we take the thought of someone that made a sculpture or a statue and, but yet he puts a cover over it until the time of unveiling, the cover laying on the statue will give you a general idea of the size and a general idea of the shape, but none of the specifics. All right. But yet when the cover comes off, then you can view it from every angle and view all of the work that went into making of that sculpture. Is that right? And so then you can begin to really appreciate what the statue is all about. So he says it is an uncovering. It's a revealing of what was previously hidden. Now the uncovering is not only the revelation of the person of Christ... Step one, it's not only the revelation of the person of Christ, but it is the revelation of his future works in the oncoming seven church ages. Okay. He says the importance. Now, this is a, this is a quote that I referred to last time I spoke and we've referred others have referred to it here over the pulpit. The importance of revelation by the spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. So this unveiling can never be overemphasized. The importance of revelation to you personally can never be overemphasized. We could even say that God could unveil the mystery to an age, but yet it has to be revealed to you personally. Because it's not a physical unveiling, it's a spiritual unveiling, which you'll see as we go on. He says... Revelation means more to you than perhaps you realize. He says, the church is built on revelation, on thus saith the Lord. And I'm, I'm repeating a quote that I read a couple weeks ago, but I want you to just stay with me. 
He says, how did Abel know what to do in order to offer a proper sacrifice to God? By faith, he received the revelation of the blood. Amen? Imagine if he never got a revelation. He might have done what Cain did. And then it just becomes a religious ceremony. It's just a going to a building, singing some songs. You know, that's really what it is. If we don't have revelation, this gathering is in vain. It's just a religious order. It's just coming to a building. It's just singing some songs. Some nice musicians appreciate all of the young brothers filling in for those that are away. And, and, and that's really nice. Nice music. Wonderful songs. But if there's no revelation, if there's no revelation, then it's just, we might as well be Baptists. You know, we might as well be Pentecostals. We might as well be whatever. Church of England or whatever. There's got to be revelation. He says, by faith he received the revelation of the blood. Cain didn't get such a revelation, even though he had a commandment. So he couldn't offer the right sacrifice. It was a revelation from, it was a revelation from God that made the difference and gave Abel eternal life. I'll let that sink in for a moment. It was the revelation that, from God that made the difference. And gave Abel eternal life. He says, now you might take what the pastor says or what the seminary teaches. And though it might be taught to you with eloquence. I'll just drop this in here. You can come to even a message church. But if your, if your, your revelation or not even revelation, but if your salvation is based on an understanding You've missed it. It's got to be a revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. I see I'm starting out real basic tonight. I'm actually going to go even more basic than this in a moment. But I just want to start at a real foundational thought here. He says, you might take what the pastor says, what the seminary teaches, though it might be taught to you with eloquence until God reveals to you that Jesus is the Christ and that it is the blood that cleanses you and that God is your Savior, you will never have eternal life. He says, it is the spiritual revelation that does it. I could go further. You might come to the altar. You might weep. You might shout. You might feel all kinds of feelings. You might go through all kinds of experience. You can go through a prayer line. Have somebody lay hands on you. And it might be genuinely Holy Ghost filled men laying hands on you. And you might even get something from God. But until God reveals it to you. Until God himself reveals it to you. There's nothing there. It's the spiritual revelation that does it. It's not the emotion. It's not the repentance. Praise the Lord. I just feel to drop this in here. Sometimes we even misunderstand things. I was talking to a brother this week. And uh, I see that brother is here. And he was telling me one time he was at home many years ago. And somebody called him from the church office here. And the, the brother that called him had a heavy accent. It was someone from the office that had a heavy accent. And he says, brother, he says, I need to talk to you about repenting. And the brothers was, oh no, what did I do? He says, he says, yes, we need to repaint the office. He didn't understand him the first time. He thought he was saying repenting, but he was saying repainting. 
Sometimes we misunderstand what is said. Sometimes we misunderstand the importance of the word. Sometimes we misunderstand what God is saying to us. I'm trying to reveal to you who you were in my mind before the foundation of the world. Yes, Lord, but I'm trying to repent. I'm trying to get rid of my my condemnation. I'm trying to get rid of my guilt. I'm trying to get over this or this happened to me or that happened to me. Listen, you can't overcome those things but by spiritual revelation. Are you with me? It is the spiritual revelation that does it. Amen. I just thought that was a cute story. Need to talk to you about repenting. Yeah. Galatians chapter 1. Turn with me there. You with me so far? All right, Wednesday night, we'll call it a Bible study, a study on Revelation. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul speaking to the church, he says, as we said before, so now, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now this is the Apostle Paul saying, listen, this is important that you understand this. There is no other gospel. There is no other revelation. The what I have received, I wasn't taught it. He says, I didn't receive it by men. He says, but I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ to me personally. All right? So we, we know that after the Apostle Paul, which was first named Saul, after his experience with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, where he was knocked down off the horse and he, he saw a great light and, and how it was spoken to him. He says, Lord, who are you? And, and the, the Lord says to him, he says, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And, and so all of a sudden, everything that he understood about the Bible was turned upside down. It was the beginning of a revelation of Jesus Christ to Paul. After that experience, after he was healed, because he went three days without sight. He neither, neither ate nor drank. And he just was waiting on God. He thought his life was over because I can imagine as he's realizing the very one that I'm persecuting is God himself. And, he, and, and all of a sudden that's revealed to him. There's a great grief in his life as he thinks about all the things he's done to the church. All the ones that he's been consenting to their death, like Stephen and others, and how that he caused others to blaspheme, as he said, and, and caused different things to happen to them. And, he, and, and now he's, along comes, is it Ananias that comes after God instructs him, go and pray for Saul. And Ananias says, Lord, I can't pray for this man. He's a wicked man. He's done a lot of evil things to the church. But God says to Ananias, he says, I have called him to be my servant. 
And I am going to use him and send him out to the Gentiles. And you need to go and pray for him. So Ananias goes and prays for him. And he receives his sight. And he's baptized and receives the Holy Ghost. So he's had a transformation in his life. But he goes from there. He doesn't immediately start preaching. But he goes from there out into the wilderness. He goes away for a while. It's after Now he's been with the church for a little bit and they want to put him to death because they see him testifying that Jesus is the Christ. But, but he goes, he pulls himself away for three years so that he can study himself in the word that he already knew. But obviously had a wrong revelation of. So he was empowered by the church to destroy, empowered by the, the old religious Jewish church to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. But now as his eyes become open, he becomes empowered by the Holy Ghost to take the word to the Gentiles, but he's not satisfied. He must know the full revelation of what God is doing in his life. And so he begins to wait on God and, and spends that time, three years, to take the same Bible that he had been reading and to see Jesus Christ by revelation in the same scriptures. Now turn with me over to Ephesians a couple of pages further. Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace given unto me by the effectual working of his power. All right, now in the scriptures, many, many great statements, but Paul is saying, listen, Maybe you've heard of the grace of God that's been given to me. I want you to know it was given to me by revelation to know the mystery which was previously hidden. That's quite a statement. Hello? You know, to have someone begin to write to the church and say, well, you've heard what God's done in my life, but let me tell you something. God has done more than that. He's revealed to me the mystery which was previously hidden. The mystery of Jesus Christ, which was hidden in the word, but now is revealed to the holy apostles and prophets. And I'm one of them. And I'm sent to the Gentiles to bring you this mystery. And I, I am, so I'm sent to preach to you the gospel that you may also have the same revelation and the same re- that the same revelation that's working in me may also be working in you. Amen. So it's not something that he was calling people unto himself or trying to gather them unto himself as though he was the man. Oh, I'm the one that's got the real revelation of the message of the hour. I'm the one that really, no, he says, there's one gospel. I preached it to you. And if anybody else preaches any other gospel, let them be accursed because there's one revelation. There's one God. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. 
There's only one. And God delivered it to me. And I know that it agrees with everyone that God delivers it to. Amen. Now, I have to watch my time tonight. My, my, my. And so, now there's a couple of areas we could go from here. Number one is authority. And this is one thing that we have to be very, very careful of. As uh, Paul speaking about his authority. You know, when you're born again, you have all rights. You are birthed into the body. And you have a right to everything that's in the word. But you don't have all authority. All right? You say, oh, is that so, Brother Tim? Yes. Just look at Brother Branham's life. Even as, as he began to progress in revelation, as God began to take him through different experiences in life, then he gave him more authority. When he, when he come to the place where he, where he, God told him, he says, you have been given authority to bind and to loose. Is that right? That didn't happen when he was born again. That happened later on in his ministry as he walked in a further revelation of God. And, and he said, what must I do? The angel told him, you must be more sincere. All right. So there's some, there had to be a response to the revelation to bring him to the authority that he was given. Now, Jesus, to Jesus, was given all authority. Amen? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. All right, so now Jesus, with one word, could say to the demon-possessed man, that we, the lunatic of the Gadarenes that was possessed with those demons called Legion, and, and they just cried out to him and said, have you come to persecute us or before our time? And, and he said, they said, bid us that we could go into the swine. He just said one word. Go. And they went. Amen. That's all he had to do. He could, he could do anything that the Father showed him to do. He had all rights given into, into, all authority rather given into his hands. Now all power, we've dealt on this before, all power is in the Holy Ghost that's in the believer, but the power is only operated by the revelation that God gives you. And that revelation can only come from God. You know, the, even the new birth is the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. As we read originally, Brother Branham says, it's the spiritual revelation that does it. You don't have all revelation when you're born again. For example, there were things hidden in the Bible right until the last days. I'm just, I'm just touching this from several different angles. We know that the first church age did not have the revelation of the seven seals. But now in the last days, God has given that revelation so that the church in this age can rise to a higher level. We have not only been restored to the faith or the revelation of the original church, but we have been, we have received the hidden mysteries that were to be revealed in the last days to raise our revelation to a higher level and give us rapturing revelation or rapturing faith. And so we see that that's the hour that we're living in. We can look at the, at, at Job, whom the Bible calls a perfect man. 
uh, a man that escheweth evil, but really he lacked a key revelation and was called to receive it, but it took certain conditions for him to receive it, which we'll maybe go into that a little bit more uh, on Sunday. Now, Paul goes into it in Second Corinthians chapter 10. You don't need to turn to this one, but he begins to talk to the church about his authority. Now, Brother Tim, why are you uh, talking about authority? Because the centurion that came to Jesus and said, you know, uh, my servant is sick. And, and Jesus says, well, then I'll come and I'll heal him. And the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you'll come under my roof. And, and uh, he says, but I'm a man under authority. And I know what kind of authority you have. And if I say to this one, go, he goes. If I say to this one, come, he comes. He says, just speak the word and my servant will be well. See, he recognized authority. All right. And that's what Paul was trying to get to the church. It's in receiving revelation, which is faith. You must recognize authority. That's why people struggle with the message of the hour. As they struggle with the message of the hour, it's because the devil doesn't want them to recognize the authority of a prophet in the last days. Because if you recognize the authority, that will loose the revelation of God to you to bring your faith to a certain level. Amen? You with me now? All right, so Paul in in 2 Corinthians 10 um, and and uh, not to read it all, he says, uh, he says, we dare not make ourselves of that number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they uh, measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What is Paul saying here? He, he's saying, listen, there's lots of people that can debate the scriptures and they measure themselves by themselves. They measure themselves by knowledge. They measure themselves maybe by the size of their congregation. They may maybe measure themselves by how long they've been in the message. Or they measure themselves by uh, by other methods. He says, that's not what I measure myself by. He says, but we will not boast our boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us. A measure to reach even unto you. And he begins to, begins to talk about how that, what God had done in his life. In other words, he's saying, listen, it's not arguing about authority. He says authority produces results. We could go now to Moses. And as the children of Israel were coming out of the wilderness, and how that Dathan and Korah rose up and says, Moses, you make too much of yourself. And you make too much of Aaron. This is a family deal. He says there's other men that are spiritual. Is that right? The Dathan and Korah and Abiram and different ones. We got others. And Moses says, listen, listen. We don't need to argue about authority here. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll offer incense unto God. And let God decide which one is the right one. Amen? The one that actually produces the results of the word. Let God show his authority. Amen. Amen. And so, 
I'll, let me just read it to you the way Brother Branham said. He says, was it not in the days of Moses, whom God had vindicated, that Korah rose up and withstood that mighty prophet? We could sure stop there in this hour, couldn't we? There's lots of people that say, oh, you know what? Brother Branham made a mistake here or Brother Branham made a mistake here. It's no different than what Korah said. Listen, Moses, you don't know everything. We know stuff too, and, and you really need to listen to us. And, and really, God wants us to take a certain position. And Moses says, all right. If that's the way you want it to be, then everybody just stand back from these people and let God decide. And the earth opens up and swallows them all in. Why? Because, well, let me just read it the way Brother Branham said it. He disputed with Moses and claimed that he had as much from God to lead the people. And that others shared in the divine revelation as well as did Moses. He denied the authority of Moses. My. So we have, we have authority. And the centurion understood authority. And Jesus said about him, he says, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. What is faith? It's a revelation. So this man had a revelation because he had been taught authority. Amen. You can't get away from the gospel, God putting authority in individuals. We could, we could break that down. Now we could really make this a, a family time. We could talk about authority in the home. You know, we could say, oh, well, you know, my dad doesn't know so much, but he's the dad. Well, my husband doesn't know so much, but he's the husband. He's the head. He's the one that God gives authority to. It's not a matter of saying, well, I know just as much, or I have a better revelation, or I'm deeper. Listen, if we don't recognize authority, it weakens our faith. The highest authority in the local church is the pastor. And we all have to recognize that authority as God-given authority. It's not as saying, well, I think, uh, I think this is wrong, or I think this should be done this way, or I think that, or I think... No, it's recognizing your authority and recognizing the pastor's authority. Because then when you recognize that, God can deal in your life the way he wants to deal. But if you're walking by the idea, well, God reveals just as much to me, and I think it should be done this way, and I think it should be done that way, and I don't like the way the church does this, and I don't like the way the church does that, you're only weakening your own faith. You're not weakening anybody else but yourself. Because faith has to understand authority. Are we okay so far? All right. Again, as I said, this is foundational tonight. So then that takes us to gifts and callings. Bible says gifts and callings are without repentance. Is that right? Amen. All right. Now, uh, Brother Brandon talking about his own gift. He says, I'll explain to you how the gift came and how it works. He says, I was born of humble parents, born, in a, born being a Catholic. I was born in Kentucky. I believe that gifts and callings are without repentance. That you're born here in the world with these gifts. Just the same as you're born to be a musician. You might ha- give your child, give it all kinds of lessons. But if that musical talent isn't in it, it'll never do no good. Is that right? 
But we're born the same way in the spiritual realms. For gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That you might know Jesus Christ was foreordained of God. He was the one that was seen from the Garden of Eden. All right. Now let me just take the thought. I realize we're going quickly here. But I I just take the thought of a prophet for a minute. A prophet is a gift. Is that right? A prophet is born a prophet. We, We understand that being students of the message. Uh, Moses the prophet he dealt with it in Numbers 12 he says if there's a prophet among you I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision will speak unto him in a dream in Deuteronomy 18 he says when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord if the thing follow not nor come to pass that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken but the prophet has spoken it presumptuously thou shalt not be afraid of him amen now the most gifted amongst us are not necessarily the ones with the greatest calling. Gifts and callings are without repentance, but they're not the same thing. Okay? And I'll, I'll explain this as we, as we go into this. Brother Branham, you know, even himself, God had to deal with him. Because he didn't understand all the gifts that he possessed. As he tried to say, well, you know, if I'm a prophet, I need to act this way and I need to keep myself in this direction. But God had to speak to says, but you're more gifted than that. All right. So now it's not just uh, an isolated gift. Now we know that there are seven church age messengers. Amen. They are not all prophets. But those are all offices or callings. And so we could go through every one of them individually and find that uh, they all, God dealt with them all in a unique way. Some were prophets, some were not. And, and so then we could go through the subject of prophets in the Bible. And we see that Moses was a prophet. We know that Samuel was a prophet. Are you with me? All right, But Moses and Samuel did not have the same calling. They did not have the same office. Moses was the lawgiver. And, and Moses was the deliverer, the mighty hand of God to deliver them out of Egypt. Samuel did not have to deliver them out of Egypt. He had a different calling. And he was going to be the one that was going to bridge them over to the kingship of David. To bring the son of David ministry on display and all of those things. But then we could even say David was a prophet. Is that right? David had the gift of a prophet. But he was not a minister per se. What we would call a minister. He was not called to the office of the prophet of Israel. So we might say he was a minor prophet. And there was others like Nathan and others that were on the scene at that time to whom the word of the Lord came to. But David was gifted as a prophet. But his calling was to be a king. Right? And so we see then David represent. We could go to the New Testament and identify Ananias as a prophet. We could identify Agabus as a prophet. We could identify Paul as a prophet. Uh, we could see different ones that had a prophetic gift. But all of their callings were different. 
Amen? So I'm trying to divide something for you here uh, because I could even go in and say, going back to the Old Testament, and say Balaam was a prophet. He was absolutely gifted as a prophet, but what was his calling? My, we know that he was used of the enemy to cast a stumbling block before Israel. Is that right? And so we wouldn't want to be saying, well, Balaam's a prophet, therefore we will follow Balaam. It's not the fact that he's a prophet. It's what is his calling. What is his office? And so Moses was identified and vindicated in his office. Samuel was vindicated in his office. David was vindicated in his office. Paul was vindicated in his office. Not just a gift, but it was actually a calling or an office. Now, so while the gifts and callings are without repentance, we are never told to make our gifts sure. It says, make your calling and election sure. All right. So now we, we take it to another level and say, well, you know, there, there's gifts and callings. But then Peter picks it up and says, make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. In other words, you might be gifted in a certain way. But what is your calling? Because you don't want to get outside of your calling because in your calling is your authority. And as soon as you step, you might be ever so gifted, but if you step outside of what God has called you to do, then you're venturing without authority or presuming, as Brother Branham said. And so there's a, there's a very specific reality for believers. I told you this would be foundational tonight. There's a very specific reality. Say, well, I'm gifted. That's fine. But what's your calling? What has God specifically called you? Because Peter, the apostle, says, now make your calling and election sure. Know exactly what the parameters are. You're say, well, Brother Tim, I don't exactly know what my calling is. Well, I don't either, but God does. And you go to him and say, well, God, you made me to do something. Guide me in the right way. And I was talking to a brother the other day about mission work. And we were talking about how supernatural mission work has to be. And I said, yes. I said, I, I've, the more I see uh, of work that we do, what we call mission work, I said, the more I see it's supernatural. But I said, this one thing I've learned. I says, God does not want us to open doors. He's the one that opens doors. But he wants us to be ready when he opens a door to step through that door. All right. So we are called to stay in readiness that whatever God shows us to do, we're ready to do it. Amen. That's our calling. It's not our calling to say, well, we, we got to find a program here. We got to open a door. We, we need to do this over here or these people need this or the. No, when God opens the door, you'll know it's God. And then the believers, the, the, the ones whom God calls just steps through the door. And so we realize that that's something that we need to do. Uh, you're gifted and you're called. The gift never leaves you. But your calling, you need to make sure. The election, you need to make sure. All right, are you with me so far? Amen. All right. Romans 16, turn with me there. I get to preaching and then I, I get away from where I want to be. 
(laughs) I'm not even close to where I need to be right now. All right, we're going to look at some scriptures quickly here. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that it is, To him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations... For the obedience of faith. Powerful scripture. Paul says there is a mystery that was kept secret, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God. All right. So it was not made manifest by any man, but God said, now's the time. And made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now, Brother Adam says in works is faith expressed. He says, now faith is a revelation from God. Faith is a revelation. That's where I want to stay here just a moment. It's a revelation. He has revealed it to you by his grace. It's nothing you did. You didn't work yourself up into faith. You never had faith. It's given to you by the grace of God. And God reveals it to you. Therefore, faith is a revelation. And the whole church of God is built upon revelation. Amen. He says, a Baptist minister told me not long ago, he says, I just can't accept revelation. I said, then you cannot accept the Bible. You cannot accept Christ. Because it is a it is the revelation of God, or because He is the revelation of God, He's God revealed in flesh. Therefore, the whole church is built upon divine revelation. Amen. Romans chapter four. A couple more scriptures. Romans chapter four and verse thirteen. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Was referring to, says, God showed him the stars in the heaven, said, so shall your seed be. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right. It was revealed to Abraham by God and Abraham accepted that revelation. Believing God. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, this is where I wanted to get to, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What book is this found in? Romans. Not Hebrews. This is Romans, the Gentiles. And he's preaching the gospel is also to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. Not just to the Jewish lineage of Abraham, but those who are of the same faith of Abraham, that God reveals his word to them and they believe God. 
All right, righteousness which is of faith. Romans 3, back a page, verse 24. I'm a little bit out of order here, but I'll, I'll read this next. Being justified, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, this is Calvary, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. What is that? That's the price paid. The propitiation through faith in His blood. Hold that phrase. To declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that is passed through forbearance to God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, I was going to turn to Ephesians 2, but I won't turn to it. Do you have those slides? All right. Just put them up there for me. Now, in Ephesians 2... We're familiar with the scriptures. God rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. All right. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. All right. This familiar scripture to us. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. By grace. Through faith. Through faith. By grace. Faith and grace is the ingredients for your salvation. It's the predestinated unmerited grace of God. That God chose you to reveal himself to. And by you believing him. And what Jesus did at Calvary for you. The propitiation of your sins. That sacrifice that was made to pay for your sins. By faith in that alone. Your, the blood is applied to your life. Alright. I was talking to a brother the other day about uh, the blood and the message. And he was asking me some questions and I, I thought about it the next morning and I thought, and I'd begin to pen some thoughts down and I thought, you know what, this would make just a good outline. And this is just an outline. This is not meant to be, uh, uh, an absolute or anything like that. I just thought it'd be some good points to just quickly go through here, right at this moment. Number one, all sins were paid, were paid for at Calvary. By the blood of the Lamb of God. You believe that? That blood and nothing else paid for your sins. Not your works. Not of yourself. We have nothing to boast of. Only the blood at Calvary paid for our sins. But that blood can only be applied by faith. Otherwise, if it is just a general application, then everybody is saved. The blood paid for all the sins of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's not just that the blood was shed at Calvary to pay for the sins of the world, but rather those to whom he reveals it to, they have faith in the blood. And it's that faith that applies the blood to your life because it was typed by Moses in Exodus. He says, take the blood of the lamb and take hyssop and dip it in the blood and paint the doorposts and the lentils. And the hyssop was a representation of simple faith. So the blood could not be applied except by faith. All right. So it's faith that applies the blood in our life. Otherwise, we're not saved. But by faith, we are saved and that by grace. All right. So faith now is a revelation only given by God sovereignly. So now that puts it in God's hands. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of you saying, oh, I figured out that Jesus died for my sins. No, God revealed it to you. He was your Savior, but you did not know Him as a Savior until God revealed Him specifically to you. Brother Branham says, and who is this Melchizedek? As we're just going quickly through these points, he says, it's not him that willeth or him that runneth, but God. And that his predestination might stand true, he chose before any time. Who God's sovereign in his choosing. Did you know that? God's sovereign. Who was back yonder, who was back yonder to tell him a better way to make the world? Who would dare tell him he was running his business wrong? Even the very, very word itself, very sovereign. Even the revelation is sovereign. He reveals to whom he will reveal. So if he has revealed himself to you, you ought to rejoice. Amen. You ought to be thrilled. God has made it known to me. My sins are paid for. Amen. It's not what I did before I got saved. It's not what I did after I got saved. It's what Christ did at Calvary. Amen. He has paid the price for all of my sin, the ones that are in the past, whom I have believed for, but also what is in the future that he knew the mistakes I would make. But the blood paid the price. He says... He reveals to whom he will reveal the very revelation itself is sovereign of God. He says that's how people pound at things and jump at things and hit at things and not knowing what they're doing. God is sovereign in his works. Amen. So faith is a revelation. It's only given by God. It's sovereign. And faith comes by hearing the word. All right. That's a simple principle. Romans 10 Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God speaks his word to you. You, It's revealed to you. You believe it. That is righteousness. The blood is applied to your life. You're saved by faith and that by grace. Therefore, it's impossible to apply the blood unless God reveals the word to you. Take the negative side. If if God doesn't reveal himself to you, there's no blood application. It's only through revelation. Abel by revelation offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Brother Branham says it's all based on spiritual revelation. If there's no spiritual revelation, there's no salvation. You with me? All right. That brings us to the message. The message of the hour is God's revelation for the last days to bring the word into full effect. To bring faith in the blood 
to its fullest reality or its fullest extent. Now this brings us to a very important point because people like to say then, you know, if, if faith in the word, we have to go back to the very beginning, Revelation 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ is not just of the person Jesus, but it's his reality in every church age that he's revealing how he will act towards the church. And it's that revelation that brings faith into that age. So that without the revelation of the age, there's no application of blood to the age. Oh my. Now it gets quiet in here. Now it gets squeaky here. Oh no, no, no. I, I just believe in Jesus. Or people say, well, we don't need the message. We, ju- we just, we just believe the Bible. Well, if God doesn't reveal the Bible or anoint the word for the hour, there's no revelation. That's where Brother Branham says you can understand it a certain way. It can be spoken ever so eloquently. You can believe what the pastor says. They can have their doctrines and their creeds that they've built up in their denominations down through the ages. That doesn't mean anything. It's revelation that comes to the individual. That alone is salvation. And so God has to send his message into every ages. was no different in Luther's age. When God had to strike him with the revelation, the just shall live by faith. They say, well, I, I, I've always believed the Catholic way. And I've always believed in God. And I've always gone to church. And I've always paid my tithes. And I've always... Listen, if you don't receive a revelation, it's because God never gave it to you. And salvation is of the Lord. Oh, now that gets squeaky. Now that gets quiet. Oh, you mean, Brother Tim, there's no salvation outside of the message? If the message is God's revelation... That must come to the individual to produce the salvation that God has chosen to produce. Brother Tim, you're making it awful squeaky. There's no salvation outside of the message. I'm telling you, there's no salvation outside of God's revelation. You decide if this, if this message is God's revelation. I believe it is. And God brings it to the individual to produce salvation. See, that's why Brother Branham, even in his thoughts on the third pull, as he began to ponder it even before the opening of the seals, he always referred back to Calvary and said, everything is in the atonement. So he, 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 he didn't understand certain scriptures like, if you say to this mountain, which Jesus spoke before Calvary. And he didn't, some of these things were not yet revealed to him, but it was a revelation that was held to the last days. That when the word become open, it would take the Bible that was laying there and make it a living revelation to those who could receive it in this day. That's what I mean by making the Bible a full effect. So the word of God comes into full effect in your life because God sends the revelation in this day. You say, oh, is that is that really what it is, Brother Tim? Well, let's go back to Luther's day. The scripture, the just shall live by faith, 
was not real to the church through the dark ages. There just wasn't people catching that revelation. But there come a time where God says, now is the time. You see, that's why the apostle Paul said, this revelation, by the commandment of God, which is revealed to the apostles and the prophets, now's the time for the church. Now's the time for all nations to receive this revelation. Now's the hour. They say, well, I believe Moses, sir. I believe John the Baptist, or I believe this, or I believe that. No, now's the time for this gospel to be received. There is no other gospel. If any man preaches any other gospel, it's not this gospel plus Moses. It's not this gospel plus Elijah. They were men of God, absolutely. But it's this revelation that God sent in this day for all men to receive. This gospel will loose you. This gospel will bring you to the place because now we come to the last day's revelation because we are the attributes of God. And the purpose of God according to redemption was to bring his thoughts. You're his thoughts. You're what he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. It's to take you and bring you back to where God thought of you before the foundation of the world. It's the entire work of redemption. I'm leaving a big part out here for Sunday. But it's the entire work of redemption. So it's this last day's message in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. When he shall begin to sound, all the mystery of God would be finished. All right? God's revelation for the last days to to bring... The word of God into full effect. And people say, oh, well, you don't need the message. You just need the Bible. Excuse me? This Bible only come into full effect through this message. Because it's by revelation. It's not by possessing a letter. It's not by saying, well, I have the Bible. Isn't that all I need? No, you need the revelation of the Bible. Because it's only by spiritual revelation that the blood is applied to the life. To bring faith to its fullest extent, faith in the blood. Because the purpose of the blood was to redeem back sons and daughters of God to their original position. The purpose of Calvary was to redeem us back to what we were always meant to be. Is to pay the price for the inheritance which was lost from Adam to be restored in the last days. That's the purpose of the message of the hour. So the message is the culmination of that purpose. And that's where we stand. The blood has always been the blood. But it cannot be applied except by revelation. Amen. Thank you. You can take that down. So, Brother Branham says in the latest in church age as we close, the musicians can come. He is standing in the midst of the church. As he stands there revealing who he is in this last days. He calls himself the author of the creation of God. This is not another creation. This has to do with the church. This is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. And then he talks about the creation of Jesus Christ, how Jesus was a creation, and he goes through that. And I'll pick it up now a little bit further down. He says, now out of every kindred, tribe, and nation, he has purposed 
a new creation. He is the first of that creation. He was God created in the form of a man. Now by his spirit, he is creating many sons unto himself. God the creator creating himself a part of his creation. What a statement. Where do you hear that outside of the message of the hour? God the creator creating himself a part of his creation. This is the true revelation of God. This was his purpose. This purpose took form through election. That is why he could look right down to the last age when all would be over and see himself in the midst of the church as author of this new creation of God. Listen, I'm not going to preach this to you. I'm just laying these things in here. I could spend, you know, we could spend as preachers time preaching and building up your enthusiasm on this subject. But listen very closely of what God's prophet is saying here. He says, this is the true revelation of God. This was his purpose. This purpose took form through election. And that's why he could look right down to the last age. Right now. John's writing it in the book of Revelation. Now Brother Brown is saying this is what John is writing about. He's saying he can look right down to the midst of the church. See himself in the midst of the church as author of this new creation of God. Are you with me? His sovereign power brought it to pass. By his own decree... He elected the members of this new creation. Oh, that that sounds so hard for us because we're like, why me? I'm not worthy. I I really, Brother Tim, I'm the least of the least. Sure. That's why he chose you. He chose the things that the world calls foolish. He chose the things that the world casts off, calls not, and, and are of, of no esteem in this world, that no flesh should glory in his presence. He says, by his own decree, he elected members of this new creation. He predestinated them to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure of his will. By his omniscience and omnipotence, he brought it to pass. How else could he know that he would be standing in the midst of the church receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make it sure? All things he knew and all things he worked out according to what he knew in order that his purpose and good pleasure would be brought to pass. And then Brother Branham quotes Ephesians 2.11, In whom also we obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And then one last statement that Brother Branham makes here. And this is what I want you to catch. He says, Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you belong to him? I say, Hallelujah. You know, in India, when you say hallelujah, they say hallelujah. And then when you say hallelujah again, they say it louder. Hallelujah. And then when they say it again, they just lift the roof off. Hallelujah. Why? It means praise our God. Because they're excited what God has done for them. 
He paid the price. He shed the blood. He gives the revelation. He brought his word by your way. Because he foreknew you. And who he foreknew, he did predestinate. And who he predestinated, them he also called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he is already glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. We can walk out of this place and say, it's nothing of my own works. It's nothing that I did. It's not how great I am. It's not how smart I am. It's not how much I know. He chose me. He shed his blood for me. Amen. He's glorified in me. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Amen. 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 It's what he did for you. It's by faith and that by grace. Predestinated, unmerited, he wrote your name on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Oh, he gifted you, he called you, he placed you, he gave you your position, he knew exactly what he would use you for, he put his word in you, he pours his revelation in you, he molds your life, he takes you through thing because, things because he has what he wants you to fulfill. And we're living in the culmination of the whole purpose. Amen. There was, there was a, th- a song that Brother Derek sang on Sunday, on the song service Sunday morning that I just really enjoyed. Um, it was a great thing that he did for me. Brother Ryan, you help us sing it. Give Brother Ryan some song, some volume here. The Lord has brought me through all my sorrows. And when I failed him, he didn't turn me away. He stood right by me through all my troubles when I was lonely he didn't let me go astray are you glad for that you might have been backslid one day you might you might be backslid here tonight but let me tell you something he's paid the price he's trying to pour his revelation in you listen it's not what you did it's not your mistakes it's not how great you are or how little you are it's what I did for you if you can just believe it I've paid the price for everything you have need of Glory to God. Brother Ryan. The Lord has brought me.
want you to have a prayer line for healing for all the broken hands. I see there's a lot of broken hands here in the congregation. You know, it's a time to rejoice. It was a great thing that he did for you. It was a great thing. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. But he came by my way. He revealed Calvary to me. He revealed his word to me. Oh, it was a great thing that he did. Tim, it's Wednesday night. We're tired. We're wore out. It's been a long day. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Amen. It was a great thing that he did for you. Don't sing it for me. Sing it for him. It was a great thing that he set me free. Jesus died on Calvary. I want to start there Sunday morning. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. The revealing of God's love in the final age. If the Lord will help me, there's some things on my heart that are very sacred and hard to find words to. Just been pondering them for weeks of the love of God. May God help us to 
be lifted up into that sphere. I was talking to a brother about it the other day, I think Sunday after the service. Just some of the things that was on my heart. And as I was speaking to him, it was like the presence of the Lord just began to come down. I thought, oh God, if you could just reveal yourself to us in a special way, that would be so wonderful. Wouldn't we want that? Amen. I trust this evening's service did something for you. Though basic upon basic, very simple from the elements of the Word of God. But those are the elements that are important, foundational, establishing. Let us know who we are. And it's what He did for us. It doesn't matter how you feel tonight. How you feel tonight makes absolutely no difference from God to God. He did it anyway. There's a statement. I've heard it several times in the news. Facts don't have feelings. I don't know if you've heard that in the news. Facts don't have feelings. Well, this is a fact. And it doesn't matter what your feelings are. He paid the price. He did the work. It's not of you. It's not of your works. It's got nothing to do with anything we deserved. It's all His grace. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, maybe there be one person in the service tonight that as we heard Brother Aaron speak, that just has a desire but doesn't have a reality. Lord, may you anoint that desire tonight. That desire to know you in the power of your resurrection. That desire to be quickened by your Spirit. That desire that you would pour in revelation. That they could walk from this this place free from condemnation. Free from sin. Free from unbelief, oh God. And walk from here knowing that God has revealed himself to them personally. Won't you go by their way tonight, Lord? Maybe even now they're raising their hands saying, Lord, remember me. At the end of this service, in your great presence that is here. Won't you just purge my heart? Lord, won't you just take hyssop, as David said, purge us with hyssop, O God. Apply the blood upon our lives, O Lord, and quicken your truth within our lives, we pray. Bless the service tonight. Bless those that have made it in, Lord. Many have worked long days. And Lord, have come tonight, though physically weak, I trust spiritually strengthened. Lord, may you take your word. And may it produce that which you have sent it for. We commit each one into your hands, both here and out on the internet. Lord, we commit thy word to you. For we realize the words that you speak, they are spirit and life. And Lord, we thank you for that. We commit ourselves to you. Bless your children. If there be anybody, Lord, that's bound tonight, break those bonds, O God. Drop in revelation, Father, to the quickening of every heart, Lord. Let the sons and daughters arise, O Lord. In faith we pray. We commit it to you in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Friday night is young people's 730. Don't forget that. Be praying towards that and be praying for the Sunday services. I'll be taking the morning. Brother John Andes will be preaching in the evening. 
God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.